<laughs> oh my gosh. So, hey, it's it's another episode it, where we get to do something really super fun. It is. It is June 1st, and this is our 10th episode of the yeah. season. And we decided last season that uh, the 10th episode of every season is going to be our swap episode. Swap episode! Where... Uh, Instead of covering a cryptid like normal, I cover a conspiracy theory. Yeah, and we get to Tessa step on each other's toes. To, and Tessa gets to talk about a cryptid. We're really excited. We yeah. we planned this one out because with our swap episodes, we. Okay, so with every normal episode, we don't tell each other our topics, so that all of our reactions are pretty genuine. Yeah, you know, we, unless we've had to record an episode, we've had to re-record something times. a couple of times, which has happened. But um, I'm exaggerating; it was three. It was three twice. But it's still not good. But anyway, um, but the the swap episodes though, we tell each other our topics just because we don't want to accidentally do each other's topic. Yeah, or pick one that exactly. we want. So, um, so we tell each other this one, but yeah. it's still going to be an interesting reaction because, um. Uh, we d- uh, haven't done research on exactly. each other's topics. Exactly. So or, still... Yeah. And it's fun. Plus, even if we have, sometimes we find out things we don't necessarily know about it. Yeah. So it's, uh, we're still learning. Yeah. We're just like you guys are learning. That's the whole fun this of this. Is, it's fun-ducational. Yeah. Fun-ducational. But um, real quick, before we get into the episode, I, I just wanted to once again plug our contest that News we have flash. coming up. I'm done. I was like, I'll wait. Excuse me. My news has kind of slipped your, out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, your news, your news slipped out. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to plug our contest again real quick. Um, we mentioned it last episode. But yeah, so since um, we only have this episode and the, the episode on the 15th left in this season, um, we are running a contest to design the cover art for our season three. Yes which comes out August 1st. So we're taking our summer break for the month of July. Um, so um, we need submissions by the 15th of July so that we have a couple of weeks to pick a winner and start putting it on our stuff so that it's ready for the the season three launch. But um, yeah, so design us a logo, you know, that kind of has, you know, like different elements from all the logos that we've had, um, but make it your own, you know, have fun with it, do your own art style you yeah, know, we're, like we're you really do Art excited. Deco, or you know, if you guys want to, like, if you guys want to make me happy, I love retro futurism. So let's, I would love to I see love one. Paper crafting. <gasps> so yeah, get on it, guys. Ooh, retro futuristic paper Ooh, crafting. Now that sounds. I mean, like fun. I'm hey, not an saying. Idea. I'm not saying that somebody who turns that in is going to win. But I'm not be, saying that. But I mean, I will love it no matter mention. what. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. But yeah, so, so yeah. Um, send those submissions into conspiraciesencrypteds at gmail.com. Um, by the time this comes out, we'll already have a post up on our mm-hmm. Instagram Absolutely. and Twitter and everything, and it'll be a pinned post Absolutely. so that you can find it easy. But, um, you know, and that'll have more information about how to do that. But anyway, get on it. Um, so let's flip our penny for our thoughts. Boop, boop, boop. Whose turn is I it? I think it's your turn to shake. My, my turn, turn, to, turn shake. to pick. Shake, shake, shake. Shake, shake, shake. Shake, shake your penny. Shake your penny. You going to pick one? Uh, heads. Heads. Uh... Did you just drop it? I did. That's what we used and the table heads. for. And it is heads. Okay. Gosh darn it. That's what I get for dropping it. Yep. That's your fault. Karma. Drop it, drop it low, drop it, drop oh it, drop it low. Oh my God. Drop, drop, oh my drop, God. Drop, 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 okay. So government conspiracies are probably the most popular kind of conspiracy theories that float around. Um, people are always super, like, 
super suspicious of what goes on in a government behind closed doors and what they're hiding from us. Um, the mysteries of Area 51, the British MI5, and how the Illuminati may hand or have a hand in all world governments are just a few of the more famous government-related conspiracies. And some conspiracies about the government have turned out to be very true. Look at the whole MK Ultra thing. Yeah. Which, if you guys don't know what that is, Boy. look it up. It was the American government looking into... Um, Using LSD as a mind control drug. It's super creepy, but really interesting. Yeah, don't mind me. Yep. Um, yeah, but yeah, you guys also find that there are some topics that we just don't cover on this uh, podcast, be in because that's like either they were they are true or they really affected somebody, and we don't really want to traverse that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but, go ahead. Anyway, but this is this is one of the most bizarre and interesting government conspiracies I've come across that concerns specifically the American government. Uh, this project covers not only time travel, but teleportation and space travel as well. We're going to talk about DARPA and the project trying to force them to publish their findings. Project Pegasus. Ooh, so this is all about DARPA. Project Pegasus. So, um, we got two little origins. Um, the first is the origin of DARPA, which is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Um, it was developed by President Dwight D. Eisenhower in 1958 as a response to the launch of the Soviet Sputnik in 1957. Um, basically, it was the beginnings of our space programs. Um, DARPA has been pivotal in numerous scientific breakthroughs and is even where the internet was originally created. Oh, wow. Yeah. DARPA was where they had the original, like, wide area network of computers sharing information, oh. which eventually led to the birth of the internet. Is that what turned into the Dharma Initiative on Lost? Probably. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, so the second origin we have is about Project Pegasus. Uh, Project Pegasus is or was the division of DARPA that allegedly has been developing the technology for teleportation, quantum, uh, quantum time travel, and deep space travel. Hey! But more recently, Project Pegasus has become um, a program trying to in like force the government to release their information about this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Weird. <clears throat> so we're going to get into the history of it. Mm. From 1968 to 1972, Andrew Basiago, a, uh, a man who's currently a private practice lawyer in Washington state, was a child participant in Project Pegasus. Due to his father's involvement and work on the project, Basiago was brought in to be an early test subject for the time travel equipment, which was based off the designs by Nikola Tesla. Ooh. And were in the missing box that you mentioned <gasps> in uh, one of our previous episodes. Hey. So apparently some of the designs and inventions that Tesla came up with in the box that went missing that you talked about a couple episodes ago um, were inventions about time travel and space travel and, and teleportation. Cool. So Project Pegasus studied that box of inventions. Hey, cool. Hey, we tied it so, in. Yep. We tied it in, guys. <laughs> we tied it Look in. Look at that. Um, according to Basiago, actually, let me show you a picture of Basiago real quick so you know what he looks like. Stereotypical, oh, you know, like yeah. middle-aged white man. He does, yes. Like very, Yes, yeah. he looks like he could easily sell me like a loaf of bread. Or... I mean, if you looked up a picture of vanilla in the dictionary, this is probably what you would get. He looks like, you know, the manager that Karen's asking to speak to? <sighs> yeah, he That's... definitely looks like the manager of like a Menards. He's like the gen general manager. Yeah. Yep. The Absolutely. assistant to the regional manager at Absolutely. Menards. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> 
Anyway, um, according to Basiago, the reason they tested the equipment on children in the beginning of the project was due to the fact that children were more psychologically capable of adapting to the strains of moving between past, present, and future. I see. Oh, yeah. The kids are more adept at well, basically, imagination. Yeah, yeah sure. their, their brains were more open to changes and, you know, children are just more adaptable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I mean... You, I mean, look at me, for example. I, I grew up in a military family. I moved around a ton. And it's like, it, it sucked moving, but it's like it was, you know, the more you did it, the more you were really able to do it. Where it's like if you dropped somebody in their, you know, like yeah. 40s in the past. Exactly. They, they'd, yeah. be, they'd be, you know, it, it'd be oh, yeah. jarring. Plus, yeah, they, it's they everything would, you know. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're trained to go to yeah. that decade. Well, yeah. even then, it's like you know specifically what you're looking for. You have like a biased opinion on these past events where sure, it's like if you're sending sure. children, and I think he was like 10 at the time, mm-hmm. they don't have as much of a formulated opinion on what happened during that time. How weird. Right? Um, so Basiago said he experienced eight different time travel technologies during his stint in the program. Mostly, he said, his travel involved a teleporter based on technical papers supposedly found in pioneering mechanical engineer Nikola Tesla's New York City apartment after his death in January of 1943. Um, He goes on to say, the machine consisted of two gray uh, elliptical booms about eight feet tall, separated by about 10 feet, between which a shimmering curtain of what Tesla called radiant energy was broadcast. Weird. Uh, Basiago said said, radiant energy is a form of energy that Tesla discovered that is latent and pervasive in the universe and has among its properties the capacity to bend space time. Wow. Right? Wow. Basiago said project participants would jump through this field of radiant energy into a vortal tunnel. And when the tunnel closed, we found ourselves at our destination. One felt either as if one was moving at a great rate of speed or moving not at all as the universe was wrapped around one's location. Weird. Right? Oh, that's so hard to, like, time that's travel a, is so weird. It's yeah. so weird to picture. Like, imagine you're you're standing there, like, not moving, but everything is moving super fast around you, or it's not moving at all. Aww. Yeah. That's, it's, and all at once. And then, like, you're in, like, a tunnel that's moving super fast, and then the tunnel collapses in on you and you're in the time that you're supposed to be in weird 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 uh during his initial time in the project basiago claims that he was not only sent to the past but the future as well he attended lincoln's gettysburg address and his assassination at the ford theater multiple times and even has photographs to prove it wow he even claims that the child that appears to be wearing oversized shoes in the famous photo of the gettysburg address is in fact him Hmm. Let me show you that picture because it's actually kind of an interesting picture. They almost look like sneakers that he's wearing. Oh, weird. Yeah. Look at him in his oversized shoes. Right. Weird. Weird. But still blurry. Hmm. Still, I mean, you know, that was like the dawn of the technology. But anyway, um, as Basiago tells the story, he had been dressed up as a union bugle boy. However, he felt that his oversized shoes were drawing too much attention, so he wandered away from the crowd only to be photographed anyway. <laughs> uh, Basiago also traveled to the Ford Theater on the evening President Lincoln was assassinated. In fact, he did so multiple times, even running into himself on two separate occasions, though he never actually witnessed the assassination. Um, oh, He said, I did not witness the assassination. Once I was on the theater level when he was shot and I heard the shot followed by a great commotion that arose from the crowd. It was terrible to hear. Yeah. 
Um, each trip, he says, was slightly different from the last, leading Basiago to believe that it wasn't just time travel at work. He was being sent into slightly different alternative realities on adjacent timelines. After the first two, or uh, after the first of these two encounters with myself occurred, I was concerned that my cover might be blown, he recalled. Unlike the jump to Gettysburg, in which I was clutching a letter to Navy Secretary Gideon Wells to offer me aid and assistance in the event I was arrested, I didn't have any explanatory materials when I was sent to Ford's Theater. So basically, when he went to the Gettysburg Address, like the scientists were like, here's a letter. If you get arrested, have them deliver this letter to Navy Secretary Gideon Wells, and he'll let you, he'll let you go. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, it might have, I guess it was like explaining <clears throat> who yeah, I'm a time he, traveler. I don't know. And this one guy was like, oh, I'm the guy that's going to say, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I, I guess. Now, I, it doesn't say that he ever actually had to use that letter, but. Um, that's who he was told to give it to. That's who he was told to give it huh. to if he ever got in trouble or got arrested. But when he went to Ford's theater, he wasn't given anything like that. So he was really worried that, you know, his cover might be blown, especially running into himself. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Like, what's the the concept around this one? Yeah, the, about this kind of time travel. Can yeah. you run into yourself? Well, apparently you Redundancies? can. Ooh, weird. Because um, from what he was saying, like there wasn't any sort of like super changes or anything like that. It was just he ran into himself. You know, and there's on nothing occasions. changing that version of yourself in that timeline from yeah. going back and like you did that, mm-hmm. so you would do it again. Yeah, yeah. That, oh wow, interesting. So yeah, it it you know like there's. Time travel, honestly, is just the the different things that we've, you know, experimented with as far as like science fiction explanations for what would happen, blah, blah, blah. It's, I, there's just so many interesting concepts, like either you can't interact with yourself or you can or time is fixed and you can't really change anything. You know, it's just it's it's strange and Weird. I love it. Weird. But anyway, um. Let me see. Do, 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 do. Basiago also claims that the CIA used the time machine to identify future presidential candidates and prepare them for their future occupation. Oh, so they God. literally like they'd go forward in time and find out who a future president was going to be. And then they would go out and find them as a child and kind of like. Um, what's the word when you bring somebody up like nurture them, mm-hmm. I guess, to be who they're supposed yeah, mentor to be. And, mentor them. Mm-hmm. Um, He says those candidates included both Bushes, Barack Obama, and even Donald Trump. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I've heard some other conspiracies that I'm not going to talk about on this uh, that kind of make that make sense. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently, yeah, he he predicted Donald Trump was going to be president before he was president. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Super weird. Um, Of course, there are risks. Basiago remembered feeling extreme turbulence while going through the Vortal time tunnel um, um, I don't remember who this person is. Somebody named Weber. Why don't I? Why didn't I write his whole name down? I should have looked that up. Um, Weber said one tragedy occurred in the early days of the technology, in which a child in Project Pegasus arrived a few seconds before his legs. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Legless Larry. Legless Larry. I'm just gonna call him Legless Larry. Oh no. Um, Legless Larry was writhing in pain with just stumps where his legs had been. Yeah. Alfred Weber said. Oh, I get to it apparently later. Um, Weber is another lawyer who specializes in exopolitics or the political implications surrounding an extraterrestrial presence on Earth. You can specialize in that? As a lawyer. 
So basically, he's a lawyer that specializes in the reptilian overlords or something. Where he got his degree. I want to go to that college. Sure. Um. In the 1980s, Basiego was called back up while attending college to utilize the aforementioned jump room um, to teleport to Mars with the express mission of acting as an ambassador to the Martian civilization. Hmm. His fellow travelers, William Stillings and Barry Sotero. Now, if that name Barry Sotero sounds familiar to you, it's because it was a name that President Barack Obama used to go by. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. So apparently, Basiago and this this guy William Stillings and uh, Barack Obama went to Mars what? when they were back in college in the eighties. Oh my 80s. god! I mean, I sure i'll believe it anything's possible at this point so um william stillings is still around and he supports uh basiago's claims um both former chrononauts as they're called which is you know time traveled astronauts yeah chrononaut i like that that's yeah, cool like and that that's too. clever yeah and i hope they coined that uh the two former chrononauts also said that they encountered the future president at a secret u.s base on mars which he is said to have visited twice between the years 1981 and 1983. On one instance, Basiago said he even exchanged words with Obama on oh. route to the jump room while on oh. Mars. Apparently, President o- former President Obama said, we're here. Oh, we're yeah. here. We're here. I hope he said it creepily. Right? Probably not. I don't we're, know. Uh, we're here. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> we're here Um, (laughs) the supposed reason for the secret teen task force uh, red planet expedition to acclimate Martian humanoids and animals to their presence huh so basically they were going to kind of like you know be like hey Martians we're people don't kill us if we ever come to your planet yeah for reasons for reasons Hmm. Um, During his escapades to the Red Planet, Basiago claims that he encountered many extraordinary things, not the least of which were towering dinosaurs and what he described as humanoid scorpion men. Interesting. Now, I have heard um, some, like, conspiracies that dinosaurs originated on Mars. Or that they went to Mars. I believe it. I believe. I think we we originated on Mars and we were like destroying that planet. And we needed somewhere to go, so they sent. Now we're trying to go back. Versions <laughs> of like our DNA to Adam and Eve, uh, like yeah. our Superman. Yeah, exactly. But they they are <laughs> no like I believe we in evolution and stuff. I believe, but mm. they like we like flicked. But like Adam and Eve were like amoebas. And okay. Then they became yeah. Then we were like boogers that we got flipped on. Getting a little too into this podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying what I've mused. No, no, I know. Anyway, um, go ahead. But um, let's see. Uh, today, the current Project Pegasus, led by Andrew Basiago himself, is campaigning for the United States government to publicly disclose its teleportation technology, which they believe would benefit humanity as a whole and make transportation both on Earth and throughout the cosmos instantaneous and environmentally friendly. Oh. You know, because they're, they're saying that, you know, it would get rid of 
cars and the use of gasoline and stuff like that. There'd be an app be a, for that. It, there'd be an app for that. Teleport me up. Beam me up, Scotty. Poof. I got to go to work. Yep. Boop. Beam or Scotty. C-O-T-C-S-C-O-T-I. What, what would that stand for? Scotty. Oh. It would just be a play on. I thought his name was like S-C-O-T-T-Y. But well, it's got to make an app. It's never spelled right. Okay, fine. <laughs> and it has, to, it has to be an acronym. Sometimes. Something, something, Sorry. something, teleportation integration. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure. sorry. I got a little carried away. Basiago, here's a good one. Basiago is currently registered to run for president of the United States oh. during the 2020 election. Oh, is he? And part of his platform is his 100 proposals or his uh, campaign promises. Um, so he has a oh. hundred promises. Mm. Oh, that, I can't know, wait. Cause you know, every, every presidential campaign has, you know, like promises that they're going to of do, course. you know, things, well, I'll build the wall sort of, of things. Yeah. So he has a hundred promises and they contain things such as the president should end the extraterrestrial cover up in a live televised address to the American people. Oh, the president should disclose the fact that atomic explosions on earth attracted the extraterrestrials. Oh. O is right. Uh, the president should craft an extraterrestrial contact policy that anticipates a diversity of extraterrestrial visitors to Earth. Oh. I, I, yep. We, I've got three more. I'm oh not doing my. all 100. I just, oh. I picked my favorites. Yes. Um, the president should answer questions that the American people have about NASA's lunar pro- program. I want to know. I do want to know that. I have, ans- I have answers. You have questions. I hope they have questions. <laughs> Tessa, I work for NASA. I work for NASA. Um, the president should disclose the existence of the secret U.S. presence on the red planet. Oh. And the president should declassify the secret space program and treaties with off-planet civilizations. So he seems to have a lot of faith that our yes. government is hiding a lot. A lot of information that we apparently need to know about. Yeah. So that is... At least the very summarized in brief version of DARPA and Project Pegasus. I love it. I love it. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, oh, I didn't. I didn't even you. realize yeah. that it tied in with your Nikola Tesla yeah. one until I was doing the research. That's awesome. You know, because I was like, I just I knew about Project Pegasus and I'd, I'd done a little bit of research on it, but as I was writing my notes for this, I was like, Oh my god, this ties in with Tessa's episode. Yay, that's <laughs> awesome. Hey, so that's so yeah. cool. Yay. We, hey, cross uh, cross promotion. Crossover. Cross the we, episodes. We, we literally crossovered our crossover. We did. We did. So, yeah. So there wow. we go. Yeah. So anyway, okay. So we're going on our break, our, our mid-episode break, and we will be back for Tessa to talk about her, con- or not her conspiracy, cryptid. her cryptid. Yeah, swap episode. Swap episode. Okay, we'll be back. All right. Okay. Oh, God. I'm getting oh, comfortable. Get and comfortable. I'm, my pants are too tight, but I'm ready. Oh, I'm ready. Oh, okay. okay. All right. We're back. So. We're, we're staying afloat. All right. So this swap episode. So, so I get to cover a cryptid. So okay. I wanted to pick one that was holds a very special place in my sailor heart. That isn't Tessie. That isn't Tessie. <laughs> so one summer while I was growing up, my folks actually enrolled me in this neat program that we have in town that teaches kids water safety around different kinds of boats like canoes and kayaks and sailboats. And really? that's how I originally learned how to sail. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know Sacramento had that. Yeah, it's over at the Nimbus uh, Nimbus Dam, and at least I don't know if they do anymore, but they did when I was a kid, and it was a really really neat program, That's and it also cool. gave you access, like discounted access, to some of their equipment, and it was hmm. really cool. 
So uh, shortly after that, we also got a 25 or 27 foot sailboat that we had for a few years. And from aside from having like a really weird, technically useless talent, the sailing, uh, <laughs> at least until the sea levels rise, uh, it also gave me a mean set of sea legs. Like I can go like on boats and I'm just fine. And you don't get sick. I don't get sick unless I've, you know, although there's the one time I did get seasick mm -hmm. was uh, after I graduated high school, I went on a cruise with a friend of mine and her family the whole time she was seasick and then we went to mexico and we were 18 mm -hmm. so we got to drink in mexico oh, yeah right so we got back course. on the boat hammered and suddenly <laughs> i don't have my sea legs anymore i well, left them on dry land yeah and you she left does them in the bottle <laughs> and she somehow still does like she has them she's like oh. she's just fine and i'm not but it, oh, um i guess it worked it, it like canceled each other out for her because yeah. it's like she was already kind of feeling dizzy and queasy exactly and then the booze kind of made her also dizzy and queasy her and out two negatives make a positive exactly but for me it just just messed up my yeah. equilibrium now i don't get seasick when i'm on a pool float uh floating down the sacramento river um yeah I would hope not. <laughs> if you did we wouldn't be out of the maybe friends and, like that guy is kind of i mean he's I don't, nice but he's like i didn't get seasick but i did get sunburned but, <laughs> oh sunburned yeah. Oi. Anyway. Well, that same that same cruise i got a wicked so oh, man okay i'm not I gonna bet. get into that that's another beast that's not what i'm talking about today okay so, yeah. but so to research this beast i had to travel uh to the very depths of the internet to davy jones locker <gasps> We're Ooh. tackling the Kraken. Then tackle the crackle. Yeah. So I got this really awesome picture to start us off. Let's get us in the Oh, mood. I love that. I've seen yeah. that picture before. I love it. I think they even have like an animated like so GIF cool. version of it. So to sailors, there are few things more terrifying than an encounter with the Kraken. Mm -hmm. A legendary cephalopod-like sea, uh, sea monster of immense size that's said to dwell off the coast of Norway and Greenland, terrorizing the sailors nearby. Mm -hmm. The English word kraken is taken from the Norwegian language. And some people say kraken, some people say kraken. But for the all intents and purposes, guys, for the rest of the episode, I'm going to say kraken because that's just how I'm going to say it. You're the Norwegian here. You I know am how Dutch. I'm uh, Not all white people are the same kind of white people. We're just mostly the same kind of white people. <laughs> Dutch and so, Norway are neighbors. neighbors. You know how to say it. And so in Norwegian, kraken is the definite form of crake, a word uh, designating an unhealthy animal or something twisted like the English crook or crank. Ooh. In modern German, crake or kraken uh, refers to an octopus or directly to this legendary squid. Right. Yep. Kraken's also a Swedish euphemism for whales, but was quickly shelved because it was thought that uttering the word would summon the creatures. Mm. So they were like, don't call them that anymore because yeah. that, that could not end up well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mum's the word. It's often described, uh, although it's similar to the octopus, it only has seven appendages. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Usually depicted as a large octopus-like creature, the size of an island, uh, spikes on its, on its suckers. Mm hmm uh, early depictions describe the beast as crab-like or more like whales than squid. Really? Mm -hmm. It's usually attacked, wrapped up, and dragged ships to the dark depths of the ocean. But if that didn't work, the sailors fought back. The beast would swim in tight circles around the ship, creating a maelstrom. And mm. the theory about this ant like, was so popular that it even was used as a major plot point in the original trilogy of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah, I remember that. So, yeah. And then some say it also guards the entrance to the Atlantis. Yeah. Ooh. And it's often travels with a large group of fish that trails its every move, meaning the fishermen would often try to get close to reel in the biggest catch. So that's why it was like 
an incentive to get close to the right. kraken because you could get a you could get huge a lot of bounty fish, of fish, but, but you he could take get it down too. Close too. Because, yeah, you want to okay. catch him after he's eaten, and I'll explain why in a minute. Okay. The original legend dates back to uh, about a hundred or about eleven one thousand one hundred and eighty. That's the year, A.D. 1180. 1180 A.D., thank you. In an an account written by the King Severe of Norway. And then in the late 13th century, a version of the old Icelandic saga, Orvar Odur, is an, there's an inserted episode of a journey bound for Helluland through the Greenland Sea where sailors spotted two massive sea monsters, Hafgafa or Sea Mist, and Linkbacher. Mm-hmm. The Hafgafa is believed to be a reference to the Kraken. Here's an excerpt. Okay. Now I will tell you that there are two sea monsters. One is called the Hafgafa, or sea mist, the other Lingbacher, or heatherback. The Lingbacher is the largest whale in the world, but the Hafgafa is the largest monster in the sea. It is the nature of the creature to swallow men and ships and even whales and everything else within reach. It stays submerged for days, then rears its head and nostrils above the surface and stays that way and at least until the change of tide. Now... That sound we just sailed through was the space between its jaws and its nostrils and lower jaw were those rocks that appeared in the sea while the Lingbacher was the island we saw sinking down. Today I sailed through its mouth because I knew that it had recently surfaced. Ooh. So they're basically like, you know, that jut of rock and that jut of rock is the mouth of the the Kraken. And and we sailed sailed through through it it. because we know that it's sitting open like that because it just ate. So it's like chilling. Uh, that's that would be uh, that'd be terrifying. Yeah. You could not pay me enough Ooh, to sail through that. I'd be like, no, I'm getting off here. Thanks. Ooh, the ocean is like freaky when you think about how big it is. Oh no, honestly, like, what's down there. I try not to think of how yeah. deep the ocean actually is. It's huge. It's terrifying. We don't even know what like. Why are we thinking about going to space when we don't even know? We what's don't even here? know what's at the bottom of the ocean. We can't get down there exactly. because it's the pressure's it's the too pressure's heavy. Pressure so bad. Speaking of pressure, <laughs> after returning from Greenland in 1250, the anonymous author of an old Norwegian natural history book I can't pronounce described <laughs> in the beast in detail. There's a fish that is still unmentioned, which it is scarcely advisable to speak about on account of its size because it will seem to most people incredible. The times he has shown before men, he has appeared more like a land than a fish. Neither have I heard that one had been caught or found dead, and it seems to me as though there must be no more than two in the oceans, and I deem that each is unable to reproduce itself, for I believe that they are always the same ones. And then, too, neither would it do for the other fish if the Hafgafa were such a number as it as other whales on account of their vastness and how much substance that they need. It is said that the creature of these fish, or the nature of these fish, that when one small desire or that one shall desire to eat, then it stretches up its neck with a great belching, and following this belching comes forth much food so that all kinds of fish that are near at hand will come to pre- the present location and will gather together, both small and large, believing that they shall obtain their food hmm. and good eating. But this great fish lets its mouth stand open, and the while the gap is no less wide than that of the great sound or bite and nor the fish void running together where there are great numbers. But as soon as its mouth and stomach are full, it then locks together its jaws and has caught all the fish enclosed and there before greedily came there looking for food. So it's oh. like a big Venus flytrap that sits underneath that's, the yeah, ocean. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And oh, then just creepy. swallows everybody up. Swedish author Jacob Wallenberg described the Kraken in the 1871 work called My Son the Galley. 
Kraken, also known as the, called the crabfish, which is not that huge for heads and tails counted. He is no larger than our Oland is wide, the second largest Swedish island at the time. Okay. He stays at the sea floor, constantly surrounded by innumerable small fishes who serve as his food and are fed by him in return for his meal. If I remember correctly, what E. Pompatidian writes, who's another guy who's uh, an um, explorer, okay. lasts no longer than three months and... The, another three are then needed to digest it. His excrements nurture the following an army of lesser fish. And for this reason, fishermen plumb after his resting place. Gradually, the kraken ascends to the surface, spurting water from his dreadful, dreadful nostrils and making ring waves around him, which can reach many miles. Could one doubt that this is the Leviathan of Job? Right. Yeah, I was going to I was going to mention the Leviathan from biblical. Time. Yeah. Like this thing is huge. Yeah. And very destructive. Terrifying. You know, one of my friends actually um, named her son Leviathan. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, she charming. She named her, th- her son Leviathan, and then her daughter, I think middle name is Nessie. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. Gave both of her kids kind of like a sea monster that's cute. name thing going on. I, I like, like it. That's cool. In fact, the strength of the myth became so strong, the Kraken was even included in the first edition of the groundbreaking Systema Naturae, written by the father of modern biological classification, Carl Linnaeus, in 1735. It was originally included in the genius and... Really? Yeah. And then then it got ri- they got rid of it. But because they, they were like, oh, this is a mythical They believed creature. so but, much but in that, it, yeah. But at that time, they thought it was real so much that they, oh, that's really yeah. cool. Okay. In 1802, French zoologist Pierre-Denis de Montfort uh, claimed 10 British warships, which mysteriously disappeared overnight in 1872. Yeah, 20 years later, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, were dragged to the depths by the Kraken. He claimed 20 years later that, hey, yeah, you know those ships that went missing? We probably sucked oh. up by the Kraken 20 years ago. And in the 2017 Netflix documentary, Top 10 Mysteries and Secrets, there claims that around uh, 1750, the young kraken was found washed up on the coast near the Norwegian town of Alstahog, but there was like no confirmation of that. Okay. There is a modern sighting that I found. In June of 2016, a sharp eye on Google Earth spotted what could be evidence of the kraken. A screenshot near Deception Island near Antarctica shows a beast that appears to be at about 120 meters from head to end. The midsection looks like a giant giant squid but many rumors and other speculation online deemed it evidence of the legendary beast hmm. this image was discovered when ufologist uh, scott c warring looked up specific coordinates although it's not clear how or where he obtained those coordinates yeah that seems weird this guy also suggested that it could be an image of the previously believed to be extinct prehistoric animal the pleosaur yes but a party pooper on popularscience.com debunked the theory it's just a rock that looks like a sail protruding from the water and it's known to be. But this is the image that was posted. Like that oh, kind of looks like that's it. That's not a rock. That's not a rock. I mean, I, you know, I'm biased, but that's not a rock. That's not a rock. Every party has a pooper that's why <laughs> we invited you. Okay, so my favorite, so some popular explanations. Yes, yes, yes. This is my favorite part of this. Okay. Whale. Whale, whale, whale. (laughs) There's a possibility that early sailors and mariners confused horny whales for the kraken. Horny whales. Mm Mm-hmm. Horny whales. Apparently, okay. back in the early days of exploration, many travelers would simply draw what they found or saw, since the means to, like to study and photograph something was still a long way off. Well, yeah, okay. 
Fair. So there's a lot about like where our horror stories come from, like these drawings, because the imagination could run wild. Well, yeah, yeah. These drawings often depicted large tentacles rising from the water, suggesting something more sinister underneath. Are you going to tell me that they thought it was a, like a whale penis? However, whales often mate in threes, and yes. while one male is busy what yeah one the other one under- just hangs out with his dick in the wind until it's his turn chivalry is not dead guy <laughs> <laughs> and just for reference there you oh, go i didn't need to see yeah, that yeah, you did. i don't want to see yeah that. you showed me dead babies like three episodes ago so yeah you did i don't remember showing you dead babies <laughs> yes you did your mermaid episode I'm getting you back. Oh, okay, yeah, that's I'm fair. showing your whale penis. That's fair. That was la- that's free episode? willy. Free's free that willy's was, free willy. That was last episode, but yeah, I did show you dead babies. That's fair. Okay, all right, you got me back. I did not. Dis- I need. So the only- I'm I'm literally shaking right now. <laughs> I don't. I did not need to see Willie's Willy. I'm so happy I got to do that. So anyway, moving on. <laughs> then there's also volcanic activity. Some traits uh, resemble undersea volcanic activity occurring on the Iceland region, including the bubbles of water, sudden dangerous currents, and appearance of new islets. Or- Mm-hmm. There's also the possibility it's a giant squid. Giant right. squid can grow to a tremendous size because their fish tank is so damn big. Giant squids are another one of those cryptids that turned out to be real. They're, oh my God, they're and huge. They're I mean, their eyes are like the size of a basketball. They're bigger. The estimates, uh, recent estimates put their size around 43 to 33 feet long. Uh, there's also like all squid. The giant squid has a, man- a mantle, eight arms, and two longer tentacles, the longest of any known cephalopod. The greatest enemy is the sperm whale. Gee, I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Uh, sperm whale. <laughs> mm-hmm. The inside surfaces of the arms and tentacles are lined with hundreds of suction cups between two to five centimeters in diameter, each mounted on a stalk. Okay. And the circumference of those suckers is lined with sharp, finely serrated rings of tiny teeth. Okay. It could also be the giant, the colossal squid. Right. Which is different. Yes. It's not the same. So, and I learned this was something I learned that was kind of new. Okay. So, it's believed to be the largest squid species in terms of mass, known from only a, spoo, a, spoo, a few specimens, and current estimates put its maximum size anywhere between 39 and 46 feet long oh my and God. weighs in at over 1,600 pounds. Oh, my God. Unlike the giant squid, whose arms and tentacles only have suckers lined with small teeth, the colossal squid's limbs are also equipped with sharks, ho- sharp hooks on ew, the end. Ew. Some swiveling and others three-pronged. Swiv- they swivel. Yeah. Oh, that's gross. So it can like really hook in. Oh, oh gross. Its I'm, body's mm. also wider and stouter than the other, uh, the giant squid, and therefore heavier than the giant squid, among other character traits. And it's also the largest known specimen that was found uh, near New Zealand, a far cry away from Norway. So maybe yeah, not still. the... Uh, Oh God! But I'm just uh, I could throw up thinking about those like about the whale penises. No, well that too, but I'm mainly <laughs> gonna throw up about the the hooks. I know the Isn't hooks. That weird? The, the hooks, hooks lad. The hooks lad. Oh my God! Arr. But still, that's gross. A vomitus. Okay. Ugh. Well. Yeah. So wh- that whale. Was something. Whale. 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 <sighs> that was something. Okay. So that's our I swap learned, episode. I learned stuff today. I learned stuff today. But yeah. So. That was our swap episode. That was our swap episode. I I love doing those. I do too. I really it, enjoy it those. It gives me a chance to change things up yes, and research something else. We should do those else. more often. Shake them up. Well, I mean, we'll do them we'll once see. a season. Yeah. At least. Well, exactly. So That's what we should do. Yeah. It's once a season. Well, every awesome. t- Every 10th episode every 10 of the episodes. season. Yes. So, okay. So, stay tuned. 10 episodes. We'll do it again. Yep. Well, the, the 10th episode. The 10th episode. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. So, 
We will be back June 15th. Yes. That will be the last episode of our season. Yeah. Don't worry. We're not leaving forever. It's no. just for a month. Yep. It's just a month. Yep. Just you'll a be, month. You'll be okay. You'll survive. But, um, but yeah, Barely. so we'll be, we'll be back then. Um, watch out for, you know, squids and, and time yeah. traveling squids. And yeah. Time traveling. Oh boy. Willy willies. And, yeah. And like weird <clears throat> hooked giant squids mm-hmm. with swivelly things. Oh, 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 I'm going to throw up. Okay. All right. So thank you guys again. Um, you know, you can find us on all our social media, blah, blah, blah. We go through all of that. Yep. Um, and don't forget. Big, Big brother, brother is, is watching. watching. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Conspiracies and Cryptids with Sammy and Tessa. Don't forget to check out our website, www.conspiraciesencryptids.com, for more episodes and other information. And if you're really enjoying what we're doing, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash cryptipod. That's C-R-Y-P-T-I-P-O-D. There you can find different ways to support us and get some awesome goodies along the way. While you're at it, you can also find us on all of your favorite social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's any one of those at Cryptopod. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please think about leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Leave us five stars and a nice little blurb about why you like us. It helps us to gain some traction and find some new listeners and while you're at it don't forget to tell your friends because our friends are your friends (laughs) and don't forget big Big brother Brother is watching. watching